We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Welcome back to the state of recruiting. I'm your host, John Garcia Jr. Been a while. We took a little bit of a break, a recharge, a reset after National Signing Day, but we are back, baby. Talking all things college football recruiting, really talking ball at every single level. Welcome in UOR, of course, a part of the great CFB Nation family powered by Irish Breakdown, Brian Driscoll and the crew. Shout out to Lucky Lefty. Shout out to the CFB All-America podcast with the crew from the Sporting News. Please like, subscribe, rate, share all of those things on podcasting platforms. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It's free. Free to talk ball, free to come hang out and chop it up with us at CFB Nation. As far as today's show, really excited to get back in the saddle. We're going to start to look back on the class of 2023, look ahead to the class of 2024, and converge in between everywhere and anywhere in the great sport of college football. There's a lot going on right now, seemingly always the case when you're talking about college football and recruiting specifically right now in the calendar. The dead period is gone. March is here spring practices are starting across our great sport which means recruiting visits camps combines seven on sevens all popping up simultaneously and trust we will dig into that heavy in the weeks and months to come i was just at the under armor orlando event on sunday plenty of good things to report and we will do so at the right place and time but I'm a linear guy, a linear thinker, so let's go sort of in chronological order. We can't look forward to the class of 2024 and beyond and the portal window in May, all those fun things, before we look back at the class of 2023. Because, yes, here at the State of Recruiting, we cover the top storylines. We cover National Signing Day winners, losers, biggest decisions, biggest hits, biggest misses, all of those things. But we didn't look back and and zoom out on the entirety of the class of 23. And we think it's important to do so one because this is a group that's going to influence 
this 2023 college football season. So if you're making a relevancy play, this is the class to look at, not only from the high school ranks, but of course the transfer portal as well. And we've got to continue to push to meld those two lines of thinking together. Can't talk recruiting with just high school and junior college recruits, verbal commitments, official visits, decommits, all of that. And you also can't just talk about the transfer portal. Both of them are equally weighted as we start to look forward uh, to really trying to view the scope of a given recruiting class, new names and faces that are going to impact or try to impact a given program. So keep that in mind as we look back and zoom out on the class of 2023 and look forward to the first year freshman or first year player impact that we're going to start to see across football. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But specifically in this show, we want to get into the new names and new faces among the college coaches, specifically in the Power Five. Ten jobs changed hands in the conventional Power Five. I know Big 12, you've got some new schools coming in. UCS, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU. I get it. I hear you. Leave a comment and, and pin it, and we'll come back to that at a later date. But in the conventional Pre-2023 season, Power 5, 10 different jobs became open and then closed for a, a variety of, of reasons. And we want to look at the early progress, the early recruiting returns. And I, I make that clear on purpose, the early recruiting returns on some of these coaches. Because I'm curious, not only who could hit the ground running and accumulate talent, because look, talent acquisition, that is the name of the game. ask any coach at any level you got to have the guys before you can have the scheme and the system and the culture and all those fun things before we get into just how they're doing i wanted to go even deeper and dig into the coaches who are shifting perception just a couple of months 
on, and I really want to focus on three. And I know I'm going to catch some flack for this, but it's really three of the 10, 30% only, that are truly shifting momentum, shifting perception from the last staff to their staff from a recruiting standpoint. And again, that's going to come high school recruiting, junior college recruiting, and the transfer portal itself. Before we dig into the three guys making those moves, let's run down, obviously, quickly the 10 jobs that have come open and obviously have been filled at this point. Again, 10 jobs in the Power Five have changed hands, of course. Auburn going from Brian Harson over to Hugh Freeze. You've got Purdue, Jeff Brom departs for Louisville, which obviously claims that power five spot. Ryan Walters, the Illinois defensive coordinator, steps in. That's a big-time hire and a, a, a cultural change, maybe, for Purdue. Matt Rule, of course, replacing Scott Frost at Nebraska. Luke Fickle taking over for Wisconsin, one of the splash, maybe surprise moves of the coaching carousel. Troy Taylor in at Stanford after David Shaw resigned. Um, unfortunately, Zach Arnett, now the head coach at Mississippi State, after the tragedy uh, surrounding Mike Leach, RIP to the Brent Key in at Georgia Tech after Jeff Collins's departure. Deion Sanders replacing Carl Durrell at Colorado. Kenny Dillingham replacing Herb Edwards, Herm Edwards excuse me, at Arizona State. Uh, and we mentioned Brom to Louisville earlier. So 10 Power 5 coaches at new posts as head coaches. But only three of those guys, in my opinion, are shifting perception in recruiting. It doesn't mean only three of them are recruiting well, right? Because I'll give some spoilers out right now. Ryan Walters isn't in my top three, but I love what he's doing from a staff standpoint. Graham Harrell looks like a great hire. It helped you get it just helped you get Marcus Davila uh, out of the state of Texas, another blue chip quarterback headed to Purdue. I get it. I see it. But are you shifting the perception from when Jeff Brom was there. I'm not sure if that qualifies. So you, you catch my drift with what we're doing here. Ditto for Brom at Louisville has shifted. Taylor at Stanford, Arnett at Mississippi State, Key at Georgia Tech. I'm, I'm doing process of elimination here. Are you shifting that perception just yet, or are you kind of carrying on to a degree? It is early, but three of these guys on this list have very much shifted that perception and we're excited to dig into it right here on the state of recruiting. So excited to get back on board with everybody uh, here at CFB Nation and with the state of recruiting family that I'm kind of talking myself out of room here. Excited. I hope you feel it because I really am digging uh, at, at just gnawing, gnawing at the heels, at the ankles, Dan Campbell style to get back into this deal. So I want to dig into three coaches, as we said, who have shifted Recruiting perception just a couple months in your new game. I think you could probably pencil in one without me having to tee it up. So we'll save him and his Pac-12 program for last. Uh, you guys have already circled the, the wagons and uh, crossed the T's and dotted the I's to figure that one out. But for the first coach I want to dig into, man, prize hire of the cycle uh, and a guy who seemingly had his pick every single year before settling on the Wisconsin Badgers. And that's, of course, Luke Fickle, the former Cincinnati head coach. Notre Dame was was in the conversation a year, year ago um, when Brian Kelly departed for LSU. Obviously, the Irish promoted Marcus Freeman. And it seemed like every year before that, 
Luke Fickle was sort of the trendy pick, right, to either grab a head coaching job, flirt with the NFL, some way, somehow departing Cincinnati. Uh, so naturally, he, he gets all the way through a college football playoff run in 2021, sticks around, and then the following year makes the jump up to the Big Ten, up to Madison to pilot the Badger program. So let's go back to when Fickle makes the call uh, and and takes this job. You automatically remember. For me, it was, okay, well, this is going to be a nice continuity hire for Wisconsin, right? A program known for defense and running the football, maybe being a little too conservative offensively. So you wondered, could Luke Fickle enhance the strengths of the Wisconsin program perceptionally and then tweak some of the weaknesses, right? The offense, the passing game, the talent on the outside, the skill positions overall. Could he do both of those things? Well, the answer is no. He did one of those things so far in terms of maintaining that defensive identity and bringing in quality defense and quality defensive recruits. He absolutely has done that to this point. But what I maybe didn't expect from Luke was the offensive ambition. Not only do you go out and recruit a crap ton of quarterbacks, a bunch of skill guys, and get commits who were once looking at other schools to come back to Wisconsin. And of course, you brought some Cincinnati recruits along with you. But then you go out and get Phil Longo from North Carolina, who's, you know, obviously led these these crazy explosive offenses under Sam Howell and Drake May most recently. You go bring him in and you go all the way in on wide open offense, uh, downfield explosive offenses, tempo offenses with this perception that you're this defensive coach fascinating to look at and the results thereafter have been immediate for wisconsin uh, we mentioned they, they had some commitments were secured before the coaching change they were able to reel some of them back in um, obviously that's a big deal for any coaching staff going uh, through this type of transition but in the portal specifically wisconsin has gone crazy i mean we haven't talked about this enough and we probably can't can't talk about enough because it's it's that surprising and that much of an overhaul perceptionally. Again, this ain't the Graham Mertz hand the ball off, throw it 18 times a game type of offense anymore in Madison. This is a pass first, try to be balanced thereafter offense that is theoretically coming to Madison. And that resulted in so many portal players wanting to jump in. Again, of course, you had your Cincinnati players that portaled over, right? Quincy Burroughs. Will Paulding, et cetera. That, that was expected. But then you knew they had to go out and grab a quarterback, okay? So I think the first quarterback who jumped on board was Nick Epps, right? Uh, just finished up his freshman season at Oklahoma, Texas kid, dual threat, uh, very smart player from the Dallas area, one-time Florida Gator commitment before uh, that coaching change. He ended up at Oklahoma uh, with Jeff Levy and company, and you understood that fit, uh, but Dylan Gator, Gabriel was, you know, and announced he was coming back in 23. So you understood Evers exploring the portal. So, okay, you're like, they're going to go young. Build the thing through a young dual threat dynamic quarterback and go from there. They also signed a dynamic dual threat quarterback in Cole LaCrue. So you kind of understood, okay, this is the direction here. It's a true rebuild, kind of like the NFL, what the NFL is doing at different different posts, right? 
No, 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 no. Wisconsin doubled and then tripled down on the quarterback spot. They bring in Tanner Mordecai from SMU, longtime starter, another former Oklahoma player at one point, but obviously very comfortable in an open spread offense. What we've seen him do under Rhett Lashley at SMU, rather remarkable, right? Um, he's got the experience. He's got the comfort and, and the traits to have already succeeded in an offense that is more closely linked to Phil Longo's than otherwise. So now Mordecai sort of penciled in starter, the experienced veteran coming in to maybe enhance his stock for one year before seeing what uh, the NFL or, or pro pro leagues, because now we have to include the XFL, the USFL, et cetera, to seeing where he falls in that discussion. But then they brought in another one, Brayden Locke, another Texan who was at Mississippi State, uh, he then makes his move uh, to Wisconsin. So three portal quarterbacks. I haven't scanned every single commitment and portal list in this this class, but I can't imagine many schools have brought in three transfer portal quarterbacks and a quarterback. Wisconsin did that, and then that is not something I expected, especially with three quarterbacks coming from spread systems, by the way, and air raid systems in Locke's case. Again, RIP to the Pirate. I didn't expect Wisconsin to be that school when I heard thinking about taking that job. So this has been a total overhaul. One of the more intriguing um, transfer portal halls in the Big Ten. One of the more balanced transfer portal halls in the Big Ten. And if quarterback isn't the position we should focus on, it's wide receiver. I mentioned the two that came from Cincinnati, but... What about USC CJ Williams, former All-American recruit, blue chip recruit, Bryson Green from Oklahoma State, a ton of experience, a big physical player, excellent after the catch. This wide receiver room has been overhauled just as much as the quarterback room had. But here, here's the thing. Wisconsin's top three or four pass catchers from 2022 are all returning to this 2023 roster. So you've got four, five, six, seven different receivers on this 2023 Wisconsin roster that can make some plays. So this will be fascinating to see from a rotation standpoint. Um, Tanner Mordecai is going to have a bevy of weapons. And by the way, Braylon Allen's coming back in the backfield. We know the Wisconsin offensive line is going to be good because it seemingly always is. And now Luke Fickle brings a defensive tag and mentality to that roster itself. So again, the topic today is programs who made new hires that have shifted recruiting perception. You're bringing a Phil Longo, you're bringing four quarterbacks in a short amount of time, a bunch of wide receivers in what's going to be a wide open offense at Wisconsin. That absolutely checks the box as a shifted recruiting perception. Um, Fickle Wisconsin absolutely making that needle move in the right direction for the Badgers. We said we'd save the Pac-12 guy for last. No disrespect to Troy Taylor. It's not him. So let's go down to SEC country for was one of the more dramatic buildups towards a coaching change, not only in the departure of Brian Harson, which seemed like it was a year in the making. Remember last offseason, it was like, there was an internal struggle to maybe get rid of him after one year, but instead they waited. And after two years, hard out. And basically from that moment, we heard a lot of Hugh Freeze buzz. Um, the question then became, 
how will Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, kind of handle this? We all know what happened at Ole Miss. Uh, but at the same time, it's been uh, some time has gone on here. Obviously, Freeze has sort of image at Liberty. Uh, he produced high-octane offenses. Obviously, Malik Willis uh, was propelled, a former Auburn quarterback, ironically enough, was propelled into an early NFL uh, draft pick after uh, linking up with Freeze at Liberty. Uh, so you knew he was going to make a step back in the power five point. But when the Auburn tea leaves started to align, this started to make a whole heck of a lot of sense. And my goodness, this was such an uphill battle. Um, I don't have the numbers, but when Freeze took over, it was abysmal from a recruiting standpoint, both portal-wise, which was non-existent, and certainly from the high school perspective. And the main criticism of Brian Harson was twofold. One, you're an offensive guy. Where are the quarterback uh, recruits? Where are the offensive recruits that are going to be game changers? That they didn't quite come to Auburn in droves. Uh, they had to rely on the portal, just especially at the quarterback position. And then secondly, why aren't you recruiting well close to home? Outside of Jeremiah Cobb, the running back verbal commitment, who really committed to Cadillac Williams, and obviously Williams was retained by Hugh Freeze, so Jeremiah Cobb stuck with Auburn, so not a huge surprise there. So you might have gotten Jeremiah either way. Montgomery kid, big time, top 100 type running back. Clemson, Georgia really did push there, by the way. So that was a great get individually. But outside of him, there were no great local gets at the time for Auburn, right? You had prospects uh, from Montgomery headed all over the place, you had prospects closer to home electing for other programs uh, like uh, like at Florida State. They had a verbal commitment from Highland Holmes, Keldrick Falk, big-time edge rusher and basketball prospect that became a five-star on the football field at the end of the 23 cycle. He'd committed to FSU, even though he lived 20 minutes away from Auburn. So there was this perception that locally the Brian Harson staff didn't click with local high school coaches, uh, and, and making those inroads to keep great Alabama talent close to Auburn. And both of the questions have been answered in Sharpie by Hugh Freeze. Uh, say what you want about him. We all understand where he's come from and the obstacles he's had to overcome to get to this gig. But make no mistake, talent acquisition and overall talent, and now, now – we can text layer the depth conversation. Those won't be issues at Auburn going forward. And it was one thing to satisfy some of those needs, right? Hey, can you go grab a quarterback? Look, he, he brought over Hank Brown, who was committed to him at Liberty uh, in the class of 24. They, they, they've notched the top quarter, in my opinion, in Walker White, number one player in Arkansas. Uh, I think they'll be active in the portal again, even though they've got a lot of returning talent at the quarterback position led by Robbie Ashford. That bo that box is checked to a degree. But the other one, the local one, is, is checked in Sharpie. And not only did you, you flipped a bunch of recruits in the process of checking that box. So I mentioned Keldrick Falk. He was committed to FSU, even though he was 20 minutes away from Auburn. Auburn flipped him under Hugh Freeze. Kayan Lee, uh, an Atlanta area guy. Atlanta is semi-local to Auburn for those who aren't geographically inclined no state commitment at one point georgia commitment at one point auburn signee at the end 
of the recruiting cycle. Connor Liu, another Atlanta area guy, Miami verbal commitment, flips to Auburn at the end of the cycle. Clay Whedon, Tampa area offensive lineman, uh, committed elsewhere at one point, flips to Auburn. Miller, Juco offensive lineman from Mississippi, border state prospect, Ole Miss commitment, flips to Auburn at the end of the recruiting cycle. Do you see where I'm going with this? Darren Reed flipped from LSU. Um, an in-state safety, Sylvester Smith, flipped to Auburn from Tennessee. You see where I'm going here. Flip from Michigan State over to Auburn. This was the story of Auburn's 2023 recruiting class. Recruiting closer to home and flipping recruits in the process to where uh, you started to reverse almost all the perception in one fell swoop. And that's before you've been to Hall, right? So the perception was already shifted just from a recruiting and Juco standpoint under Hugh Freeze, like immediately after he got the gig. And then you zoom out and look at what Auburn's done in the portal. And you start to say, man, this is this is impact guy. This is an impact guy. Austin Keys, starter at Ole Miss. Now going to play in the SEC West for Auburn. Justin Rogers, another SEC front seven guy, flips from Kentucky to Auburn in the transfer portal. Um, Big time player there. LSU's Demarion Tolan. Now going to play for Auburn. He's a second-level defender with real three-down potential. And then they grabbed poor guys who were on the ascent that were national recruits. Rivaldo Fairweather, the tight end from FIU, was it, it was viewed as this modern hybrid jumbo receiver, tight end flex guy, 6'5", 210. He's on board with Hugh Freeze and, and this Auburn offense. So Auburn brought in... in Field players, uh, some instant impact front seven players from SEC programs. And in recruiting, they flipped a bunch of recruits, both close to home and at positions of need uh, throughout uh, their board. It wasn't perfect. There were some misses there at the end of the cycle. You know, the Carver Montgomery duo of James Smith and Quay Rousseau would have been icing on the cake, build them a statue type of status for Hugh Freeze if that would have went down. But beyond that, This start for Auburn and Hugh Freeze from a recruiting standpoint has gone about as well as anybody could have hoped. Even the biggest war eagle, Homer, and we already mentioned the class of 24, already has a big-time headliner in Walker White. Big-time blue-chip quarterback, big physical dual-threat player who's going to be a galvanizer. He's going to be a rally-around-me type of quarterback recruit that other recruits are going to want to play with as opposed to he's recruiting very publicly for the Auburn Tigers so really like what Hugh Freeze has done from a perceptional flip standpoint remember Harson, don't know if he could recruit locally what's up with the quarterback skill guys they're not really coming in Freeze has answered a lot of those questions just a couple of months into his gig on the planes when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. 
Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Last but certainly not least, you guys know where I'm going with this one. If there's one school we barely talked about before the 2020 three cycle and the 22 coaching carousel really started to spin. Of course, it was Deion Sanders in Colorado. We didn't talk a lot on the state of recruiting or at other posts. uh, I will have to admit, but we're talking about him a whole heck of a lot now. And it's every single layer that has been hit hard by Deion Sanders and company. I think it's one thing to expect Coach Prime to make a lot of moves in the portal, right? When when you talked, when, when I was going on radio shows and doing podcasts, hey, how could Dion fix Colorado, right? The Pac-12 is pretty darn good going forward, especially at quarterback in the in, in the year of twenty three. Um, all this conference realignment stuff has happened. How could afloat? They won one game in twenty twenty two. How could they stay afloat and get a little bit better each and every year and challenge for bowl eligibility and maybe even something greater later? And my thought was the portal. Hey, he's got to hit the portal hard. And that's not easy to do for anybody, even even a Deion Sanders. But he said that, right? I mean, at his introductory press conference, tampering aside, he said, hey, Shador Sanders is going to be your quarterback. So obviously his son comes over from Jackson State. Travis Hunter enters the portal in December. Three days later, he jumps in with Colorado, even though Georgia, Florida State, Miami, a bunch of schools showed a trimmer number one overall recruit. A couple other Jackson State players make the portal jump over to Colorado as well. And then he starts picking and prodding portal players from quite literally all over the place. Whether you look at Des Moines Kennedy, linebacker from Alabama, Vontae Bentley, linebacker from Clemson, big physical there. He is on board with Colorado. Uh, How about pass catchers? Seydou Traore from Arkansas State, native of London, England, by the way. Look this kid up. He's a breakout candidate up at Colorado. Jimmy Horn, the USF transfer, big-time player, explosive, explosive slot uh, type. He goes out and grabs him there as well. They hit some offensive linemen uh, through the portal on multiple fronts. Cavassier Smoke, the running back from Kentucky. You understood this was going to be a big portal class. And it was going to be a busy portal class. And, and that certainly happened at Colorado. We expected that, right? You, you saw what Dion did at Jackson State at the HBCU FCS level. You know, from a, a marketing standpoint, an experience standpoint, he brings something different to the table. He's quite literally been there and done that relative to almost anything a prospect at the collegiate level or beyond. But here's here's the other side of this thing. You knew the portal would be important and, and would be at least consistent for Deion Sanders. But here is maybe where I was surprised. I knew it would be a talent upgrade and the perception would shift immediately, right? So it wasn't going to be the issue at Colorado. It was just going to be a matter of how much and could you really contend? Could you really consistently start to contend with the big boys, not just for a player or two. You know, we saw what happened with Travis Hunter in high school, all of those things. Uh, ditto for Shador, 
uh, for a couple other players. But can you start doing that with an entire roster, right? This is football. This is a sport of uh, 22 people running around the field going crazy all at once uh, in a, a real estate type of game with, with depth and physicality uh, and violence and injuries and, and just circumstance the part of the game. And in order to sustain any type of success, you need to both have talent and have a depth of talent simultaneously. So the question became, in recruiting from a traditional sense, could Dion keep up? Could he work in depth? Could they win from a volume stand? How they evaluate the current Colorado commitment list? How many would they keep? How many would they drop? The action was swift, y'all. Incredibly swift from Dion's perspective. Yes, you know where I'm going with this. You know, eventually they flipped Cormani McLean, the number one corner in the country, from the American. Even even that perceptionally isn't the biggest surprise, right? He did it with Travis Hunter uh, a cycle prior. Um, the, the moment Cormani McLean didn't sign in December, Dion again legally or otherwise uh, reached out to Cormani via Instagram with his "I ain't hard to find" moniker that has now become I saw it on T-shirt. Recently, uh, watching a Colorado video, that's become its own thing for Prime and Colorado. Again, corners playing for Dion. I think we can start to expect that in, in, in more consistent levels. But what about everything else? Can you assemble a coaching crew? What about bringing in players from all over the country at a variety of positions? Okay, go flip Dylan Edwards, the running back, the fastest, one of the fastest high school recruits in the country who was committed to Notre Dame. Go flip Adam Hopkins, a wide receiver who was committed to the Auburn Tigers under Brian Harson. Go for Mari Miller, the Nebraska wide receiver verbal commitment. Go bring in multiple quarterback verbal commitments, including a flip of a Kansas player. Go throughout the country and junior college ranks to grab great players like Isaiah Jada, a former South Carolina verbal commitment. And then hold Hold on and bring a couple of guys who you had on board earlier. This high school class individually, 19 players brought in by Deion Sanders. A lot of them had a bevy of power five options. And the cachet with Deion was so heavy that a guy like Adam Hopkins could and signed without taking a visit to Boulder. Now, he has since taken one. But at the time he signed in December... Adam Hopkins, a blue chip player who had offers to play receiver and in the secondary across the SEC and the ACC, committed and signed with Colorado, sight unseen. He's from Thomasville, Georgia. I don't know if you've been to Thomasville, Georgia, but it's quite different from Boulder, Colorado. Didn't matter for Adam Hopkins. It was about the people. It was about prime. It was about the promise of winning and competing and contending right now. And that, that belief has been within that entire Colorado program. So I know you're not surprised to see Deion Sanders on any who's recruiting their tail off and doing really well kind of list, but he did it in the portal as expected maybe, but also in the high school ranks, maybe not so as expected, especially with the timeline where he was just not afforded to bring talent out to Boulder, Colorado. No disrespect to some of these other coaches that took new gigs, but if you're the new coach at Georgia Tech or you're the new coach at Mississippi State or you're the new coach in, in a fertile area that has a lot of unofficial visitors and traffic in general, it's easier for you to run it. 
not the deal in Colorado, not the deal deal in Boulder. You're not stumbling upon official visits or unofficial visits in that part of the country. You're just not. The talent's not there close to home either. So um, it's harder to put together, even for a Deion Sanders. But, but it wasn't just hitting expectation in the portal and exceeding it in the class of 23. Colorado's already got multiple commitments, four or five in the class of 24. They've got an elite player in the class of 25 that they flipped from Texas A&M and Winston Watkins, the cousin of Sammy Watkins, a receiver from IMG Academy. So Prime is recruiting portal players, finished the class of 23, kicked off the class of 24, and even has splashes in the class of 25 all in a few months here on the job. So again, we expected Colorado to have a higher ceiling from a talent acquisition standpoint tangible results and oh by the way when we start looking at the class of 24 a little bit more closely a bevy of big time recruits are not going to finish their recruiting process without visiting boulder colorado and that is not something i have ever said in more than a decade of covering college talk about a perception shift Deion sanders is is the poster child he's the face of that program whatever it is uh relative uh, two expectations. So obviously he had to be included on this list. So if you're doing the math here, we talked about 10 new co- coaches in the power five. Three of them were really shifting the perception from the last guy to the new guy. So I know that leaves a glaring hole with some of the coaches that I did not touch on. So I will touch on them now. Matt Rule, Nebraska. He's the trendy pick, maybe the best hire of the college football uh, off season. In, but here's the deal. It's about shifting perception. Did it shift? Uh, Matt Rule's accumulating great talent. Love what he's done in high school. Great portal additions across the board. Love Jeff Sims, the get from Georgia Tech. But Scott Frost was bringing in talent. That that was not the issue. Look at the NFL draft. I mean, look at the portal last year. Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer, who just blew up the combine uh, as a wide receiver. Um, O'Shawn Mathis, who picked nebraska over his native texas longhorns in a huge transfer decision away from tcu scott frost hit a lot of those marks last offseason where a lot of folks in my position were saying hey it might be his last chance but he's stacking up talent to get ready for this last ride before he, he's maybe out at nebraska so the perception hasn't shifted with nebraska there has been talent there and matt rule is bringing in more talent so i i do th- think they have more side but that's where the conversation has to shift it's not a talent deal with nebraska it's a saturday deal can you close the deal and win some ball games uh, on saturdays that's the bigger issue with nebraska so the perception hasn't shifted although matt rule has done a really nice job in the talent acquisition department uh, zach arnett mississippi state look crazy circumstances it's too early to judge too soon all, all those things we're going to leave that one alone. Troy Taylor at Stanford, uh, look, tough to replace a David Shaw. The circumstances academically with Stanford make things a lot harder, especially via the transfer portal. Kind of understandable. Nice job at Georgia Tech thus far. Not enough volume. We'll see how it looks in the class of 2024. Uh, ditto for Jeff Brom at Louisville. Um, again, talent and especially offensive skill talent. Not the issue, right? So it looks like that has been maintained. So we'll see if Saturdays with said talent better 
in the ACC. If there's an argument for a fourth guy on this list, it's probably Kenny Dillingham. Um, perception means, uh, you know, you're not doing the same thing the last guy was doing. Um, you're doing it quite differently. Herm Edwards had a volume struggle at Arizona over the last couples. They did not bring in the bodies, the volume, the depth that we talk about to compete at the power five level. And you saw the casualties and the results of that on the field over the last couple of seasons. Kenny Dillingham has a bigger portal class than Deion Sanders, right? And the high school class made some splash late in the cycle as well. So if there's a player or a coach, excuse me, who maybe deserves a fourth spot on this list, it could be Kenny Dillingham. Uh, although Nebraska Nation and Matt Rule folks will get on me, even though they're not digging into the context of this specific conversation. It's about perception and ifting. Did Matt Rule do that? No, I think he's maintained, and we'll see if he's a better coach on Saturdays. I would bet that he is compared to a Scott Frost. But Kenny Dillingham going out and getting a Jaden Rashada in the biggest portal class in the country, I do think deserves uh, some kudos and some props here before we wrap up the first March edition of the State of Recruiting Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Again, I'm your host, John Garcia Jr. Follow me on Twitter, John Garcia underscore JR. And you can find me talking ball at every level on CFB Nation. Please like, subscribe, and share. We're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast. You're consuming free and great college football content. CFB Nation is right there. Please jo join this journey and grow along with us as we dig into the ins and outs of talent acquisition and so much more on the state of recruiting. We'll catch you next time, everybody. God bless.